Hello, everybody, and welcome to today's edition of the Sports Detective Podcast, hosted by yours truly, James Williams. So this is the second one I plan on publishing. Um, So I tried to publish the first one, kind of got processed. I recorded an ad, can hear the ad, uh, can't hear the podcast, not sure what's going on. Might need to repost that one, but we'll keep trying. But anyway, I'll get to what I'm going to do today. So, I'm going to introduce the 2020 All-Earth Team. I started coming up with this idea a week or so after the All-Star Game. This year's All-Star Game was one of the most entertaining ever. The idea of who you want to have on the floor in crunch time became real apparent. Who meshed the best? Who was really the most important? Some people could easily look at Trey Young's numbers for points and assists and assume that he's a better player than Chris Paul. Not true. This game showed us that the stats and star power isn't what makes a good team. This sparked an idea for me. If the aliens were to come down to Earth right now and challenge us to a seven-game series to save planet Earth, who would we choose? This isn't a 100% original idea where there have obviously been people who make their all-time greatest teams ever list, and there's the assumption that you can just use a time machine and pull Wilt from the 60s, Magic from the 80s, or Jordan from the 90s. But as of 2020, we do not have the ability to time travel, so we are not going to be able to go back in time and snag Jordan or Bird or whoever you'd want to have on this team. Bill Simmons wrote about this in the Wine Cellar chapter of his book of basketball. He used the time machine to pull back players from their vintage years. So it wouldn't be just Jordan, it would be 92 Jordan or 86 Bird. This also wasn't simply just the greatest 12 players ever list. No, this team had to make sense, it had to fit, players had to mesh and play well together. So that would rule out some all-time great players in the process. But that makes sense, right? Just like in the All-Star game. At the end of the game when it was really intense crunch time, the 10 best players weren't on the court. But the guys that were were guys that fit together, and or were team players. Are Chris Paul or Kyle Lowry a top 10 player in the league right now? No. But you want them on the court for a game 7 because of their experience, aggressiveness, and defense. So I'm putting a spin on this by asking the question. If aliens came down to Earth today, and we had to beat them in a 7 game series to save the planet, what is our 12-man roster going to look like? I do, however, have a few rules with this. Obviously what I said earlier, these guys have to fit together. I'm not just naming the 12 best players in the league right now. There might be too many guards or too many forwards or not enough centers. This isn't just the U.S. Olympic team. Foreign players are definitely going to be a part of this team. These guys had to play for a majority of the season. So this rules out Steph, Clay, Kyrie, and KD from this list because these guys battled injuries most of the year. This also is a great exercise to compare them to future years. Which players are vintages from this season? Is 2020 Giannis a vintage considering he was having one of the best PER seasons ever? What about LeBron being a vintage of himself for the fact that he is leading the league in assists in his 17th season? How about Kawhi who has become a more polished scorer while still being an elite defender? I know the league is currently suspended due to the COVID-19 pandemic, but I'm taking into account the best players in the league at the time the league was suspended. Let's get started. So first, you have to choose a captain. This person is obviously LeBron James. 
I know he isn't the best defender anymore or might not even be, you know, an above average defender. But I think he has become a way better offensive player as his career has progressed. Everyone looks up to him and follows his lead. If he didn't show enough the last week in a basketball we had where he beat Giannis and Kawhi head-to-head, I don't know what will convince you. Maybe in a few years he will hand the torch off to the Greek Freak or maybe even KD if he fully recovers from his Achilles tear. LeBron this season was averaging 25 points per game, 11 assists, and 8 rebounds. Need I say more? The four other starters are going to be Giannis, Kawhi, Embiid, and James Harden. James Harden. Yes, everyone's favorite ball hog. However you look at it, this dude is without a doubt one of the five best players on earth right now. He's averaging 34.5 points per game, 7.5 assists, shooting 35% from three-point range, 87% from the free-throw line. He gets to the basket at will and is one of the best ISO players in the league. Wasn't it a little telling that LeBron in the All-Star game would at some point just defer to Harden late to let him run the offense? I don't think he would have any problem surrendering alpha status to LeBron or Giannis with the world at stake, just like he didn't at the All-Star game. With more action off the ball, Harden could actually be a good spot-up shooter. Instead of taking tough step backs or off-the-dribble threes, he'd get pinpoint passes from LeBron and would have more chances to be open because of all the other great players on the court. We would maybe have to take him out during crunch time because of his defensive concerns and his reputation for coming up small in big moments. We would also have to tell him to take the game-deciding layup instead of throwing a pass out to the corner, which he did late in the All-Star game. Kawhi. The reigning finals MVP and debatably the best player on earth right now. He's an excellent defender, the best perimeter defender since Scottie Pippen, and might be one of the best guys in the league right now to get a go-to bucket late in a game. He is averaging career highs in everything. He is a good shooter and will have no problem playing off the ball. He virtually has no weaknesses in his game. Giannis. His 2020 season is somehow better than his 2019 MVP season. His team at one point was on pace to get 70 wins. If LeBron doesn't steal it from him, he's going to get the 2020 MVP. You can play him at every position, and he can also guard every position. This is crucial because he could potentially play center in crunch time. He's a rim protector and will do anything you ask him to do. He would be my prediction of who will be the next alpha of the Earth team. He seems to get along with all of his teammates, and they all love him. An even better part of him is that I don't think he's bothered at all that he wasn't the captain. He's a team player. Sure, he isn't the best shooter, but he keeps getting better. Last starter, Joel Embiid. Without a doubt, the best big man in basketball right now. Yes, we have health concerns. Yes, we have conditioning concerns. But he's practically unstoppable from 10 feet in. It's not what he's best at, but he can stretch the floor. He also seems to have the attitude that he isn't scared of anyone and won't fall in line with the other superstars. He's also a rim protector. Maybe we wouldn't want to have him in at crunch time, but he could play physical defense with opposing big man one-on-one and on the other end, school them in the post. Okay, to summarize my starters again, LeBron's going to be running the point for the purposes of this exercise. Harden at the two, Kawhi at the three, Giannis at the four, and Embiid at the five. So now I'm going to go to my bench. First guy off the bench, Damian Lillard. 
This year's Dame Dalla may have been the best vintage we have seen from him. He had a six-game stretch where he was averaging over 50 points per game while shooting over 50% from three. He's a lethal shooter who can shoot it from the parking lot. He'd be a terrific player off the bench and would provide versatility and fearlessness. He is also one of the more clutch players in basketball. Just look up all of his buzzer beaters to win playoff series. I'm working on this list late March, but we forget how good of a stretch he was having because he got hurt in early February, so he didn't even play in the All-Star game. Do we know if he would have been in the crunch time All-Star lineup for Team LeBron? Would he have been in for CP3? Harden? Maybe he would have hit the game winner from 35 feet. One thing I do know for sure is Dame Dollar won't be scared of the moment. His stats this year are 29 points per game, 39% from three, and eight assists a game. Those are all career highs. Okay, next guy. AD. Do I even have to defend this pick? It's AD. He's one of the three or four most complete players in the game today. By that I mean he is an insane offensive talent with no weaknesses, and on defense, he's one of the best in the league as a rim protector. He could play the four or the five. I almost had him in the starting lineup on this team. I almost had Dame starting too. I decided Embiid because I wanted a traditional center with more size. I also thought having Dame and Harden in the starting five would have our backcourt just get scorched defensively. AD stats this year, 27 a game scoring, 9 rebounds a game, 2.5 blocks per game. Defensive player of the year candidate. The next guy, the 8th man on the team, Jason Tatum. When I first started making this team a few weeks post-All-Star break, I omitted Tatum from this team. I just thought he had to show a little bit more for me to put him on this team. Well, the next few weeks he showed me more. Before the league suspension, he was having the best stretch of basketball in his career. He controlled games, exploited matchups, and on most nights was just flat-out unguardable. Range, length, ball handling, he can play off the ball, and he's also an underrated defender. Tatum's my eighth selection. His stats this year, 24 a game, while shooting 40% from three. The next guy is Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons is one of the 10 best players in the NBA today. He still hasn't gotten the guts to take three-pointers in games, but hopefully he can work on that in the future. He's 6'11". I don't know whether to call him a guard or a forward. He uses his size and athleticism to his advantage by being able to guard every single position. He can chase around guards while still being able to handle bigs down the post. His ability to drive to the basket is one of the best in basketball. For the purposes of this team, he would be a role player and could potentially make a deadly lineup of forwards and guards where the smallest player is 6'8". The Sixers have tried to run a similar lineup, but the whole Simmons and B dynamic makes the team good, but not live up to their potential. The combination of the two doesn't allow either player to show their true strengths. I'm honestly rooting for one of them to get traded this summer, or whenever the NBA offseason would potentially begin. We're not sure yet. Not because I don't like either of them. I'd just like to see both of them, you know, reach their full potential. Ben Simmons' stats this year are 16 points per game, 8 assists, 8 rebounds. Oh yeah, he also leagues lead in steals. How about that? Okay, the next one. We always talk about if a team is attacking a defense, they usually want to target the opposing team's worst defender. 
have you ever noticed that teams don't target Chris Paul? The reason I ask this question is because Chris Paul is only six feet tall. Paul isn't targeted because he's one of the best defenders in basketball, and no one ever talks about it. He is a nine-time All-NBA defender, and I have seen him in playoff series be asked to guard elite perimeter players. I remember several years ago watching the Clippers play the Thunder in a series and watching Doc Rivers send Chris Paul to guard Kevin Durant for stretches. His lateral quickness, strength, and pit bull demeanor bothered Kevin Durant, and he struggled against Paul. That was also before KD realized that he could just shoot over him or post him up in the mid-range. CP3 is obviously past his prime, but he can still shoot well. Can he handle the ball and distribute? Yes and yes. Will you have to worry about him on defense? No. He understands the idea of team basketball more than the young guys, and he was a key player in the 2020 All-Star Game. I think at this stage in his career, he has also learned how to tone down his locker room intensity. After two... I guess you could call them super teams, fell apart, and the big reason why was because teammates would build grudges against Paul for aggressively barking orders at them. Another bonus for CP3 is that he learned how to play off the ball with James Harden in Houston. Chris Paul's stats this year, 18 points per game, 7 assists per game, 36 from 3. I'd want him on my team. Next player. How about the Joker? The best passing big men in basketball? Jokic is averaging seven assists a game as a center. That's insane. Even though he may not be ready to be the best player on a title team, he's definitely ready to be a contributor on the all-earth team. He's a threat to spread the floor and get buckets. He makes plays, and his passing will give other players easy shots. The only concern I have with him on this team is that his defense might be poor in a game versus the aliens, mostly due to his lack of athleticism and vertical game, I still think he'd hold up well in stretches, but that's my only concern. Okay, the final player on the Sports Detective 2020 All-Earth Team, Chris Middleton. This is probably the one shocker on this team for most of the NBA fans out there, but hear me out on this one. I just named this entire roster with talented players, and all of them had a certain skill set. The one type of player I didn't name was a knockdown shooter. Chris Middleton is a 42% three-point shooter and has shown stretches where he can get as hot as anyone from deep. With this year having omissions of Steph, Clay, and KD, there has to be another player to step up and knock down open threes consistently, and that's Middleton. Based on the other players that I listed, would you rather have a guy that can knock down threes or a guy that is a shot creator, doesn't shoot as well off the ball? You know, do you really want that guy to be your 12th man? I'd take the knockdown shooter. Middleton won't be playing a big role, but he'll be able to spread the floor, make plays, and I think he'll fit in well next to the other stars. So that's my team. That's my 12-man team. I'm going to go ahead and reread them in the order that I selected them, just so, you know, you guys kind of get a thought process. And also, this isn't the top 10 or top 12 players in the league, obviously. I've said that four or five times. So the order I selected them was, number one, LeBron, followed by Giannis, Kawhi, Anthony Davis. You're probably wondering why I had him on fourth on this list, but not starting. 
AD said he's more of a four than a five. So for the purposes of this exercise, I'm omitting him from the starting five. If we need to change things up in this series, you know, in games five or six, because we have some mismatches, we might put AD in the starting lineup as the five. But for now, he's coming off the bench. Number five, Harden, then Embiid, seven, Jason Tatum, Lillard, Simmons, Jokic, Paul, and obviously last, Middleton. All right, I'm going to take a break, and then I'll be back with my omissions. Okay, we're back. So I thought it was really a fun idea when I did this, because it's one thing to just say, you know, hey, there's 12 players, I like these guys, yada, yada, yada. But I actually considered a lot of people when I, like, did this. I didn't, you know, just come up with 12 guys, and then that was it, and didn't think about anyone else. So I'm going to go through my toughest omissions. Number one, Zion Williamson. Come on, dude. This guy would match up perfect against the aliens. His jumping ability, his physicality, he'd be an X factor that the extraterrestrials wouldn't be able to counter. The only reason I didn't have him on this list is that he's so young and he hasn't played much NBA basketball, which also fun falls under the rule that he didn't play for the majority of the season policy. So Zion's out for that reason. Next up, Luka Doncic. So I may regret this one later, and I may be taking too much stock of what I saw in the NBA All-Star game, where Luka was beat up and didn't want to aggravate his ankle injury. But I didn't see much aggression out of him. Um, we, already, we already know he's an awful defender, so that's a negative. He's also not a good three-point shooter, you know, and that's something no one ever talks about with him. I mean, he's shooting 32%, and I mean, he has a good sample size because he's jacking up nine a game, and maybe the reason he's that low of a percentage is because he's, you know, shooting at high volume, but nonetheless, I don't have him. There's a very good chance, too, that he's going to be, like, the captain of this team in the future, you know, and this might be the last one he's left off for a very long time, but... For the purpose of this, his poor defense and his, you know, young age left him off this team. The next guy, Jimmy Butler. So let's go down the list here real quick. Does he play well on offense and knock down shots? Check. Does he play well on defense and he definitely won't be a liability on defense? Check. Won't be scared of the moment? Check. So what's wrong with Jimmy? I watched a few Miami games, like, you know, before the suspension of the league, and they were just terrible at closing games, and there were stretches where I was like, I, is Jimmy Butler playing? And these were like, it wasn't like, you know, you're losing a close game to, like, the Sixers or the Bucks or the Lakers or the Clippers. It was, like, to the Cavaliers and, like, the Wizards and, like, you know, just these terrible teams, and you're like, what the heck is happening here? You know, and it's just, there might just be a thing with Jimmy Butler where he's just not that good. You know, he's just not good enough to be on this team. He's a really good player. You want him on the team. You want him on your team. You know, he's the kind of guy that you want, but, you know, I just don't think he'd fit well on this team. So that's why I omitted Jimmy Butler. Next guy, Pascal Siakam. I know he was the second best player on the championship team last year, and he keeps improving every single year. But we already have enough players on this team that are better than him in the role that he would play. 
you know, and I'd like to see him, you know, get to the Eastern Conference Finals as the best player on his team before I'd have the guts to put him on this team. I really like Siakam. I hope the Raptors keep building around him, finding pieces to put around him. Maybe next year or the one after he'll make this team. All right. Bradley Beal. So the Wizards aren't a playoff team, but they're doing better than expected. Even though Beal is averaging 29 a game and definitely wouldn't have a problem buying into his role, he's only shooting 32% from three this year, but that's probably because he's taking a lot of bad ones to try and give his team a lot, you know, to give his team a chance to win. Beal has three seasons in his career where he's averaging over 40% from three, so that's definitely not the problem. And, you know... Those numbers would definitely go up if he's getting pinpoint passes in the corner from LeBron, Harden, or Simmons. Honestly, the only reason that he's not on this team instead of Milton is because he didn't make the all-star team, and that counts. You know, these coaches didn't vote him in. He did have a few stretches where he was getting big numbers on losing efforts. You know, there's a chance he would have made this team, you know, if the season continued and there was an all-NBA team that he made. You know, I'd probably have to consider it, and I'd probably bend and put him on. The next omission that I might regret later. Rudy Gobert. The two-time, the reigning, excuse me, the reigning two-time defensive player of the year. Gobert is one of the best players in the NBA. The Stifle Tower is an elite rim protector and is debatably the most important player on the Jazz, unless you would say Donovan Mitchell. I say Gobert. He can guard people in the post, block shots, get rebounds. And remember, for the all-Earth team, you don't just get the 12 best scorers and call it quits. You need guys that will not care if they don't have plays run for them and will set hard screens. The concerns with Gobert is his inability to stretch the floor and lack of offensive game. The main reason he's off this team is that I don't think his rim protection would be useful in this series, since we already have so many long forwards who can do the same exact thing while giving us more offensively and more versatility. You know, and he's also been rendered almost useless for Utah in playoffs, you know, the last few years, so that's why he's off the team. So I also came up with this last category here where it's called these omissions that I won't lose sleep over, but you know, some people on Twitter, if they were to read this or listen to this, would definitely be outraged by, or you know, you probably think they'd be outraged by. The first one, Kemba Walker. Can I see some more from Kemba? Like, I know he's awesome and I love watching him play, but here are my concerns. Kemba's only good time playing like playoff basketball or tournament basketball was at UConn. That was like you know, several years ago. You know, since then, we haven't seen any sort of playoff success. And I mean, you know, part of that's because he was in Charlotte and all. But, you know, I also watched the All-Star game, and he just seemed a little bit overwhelmed by the moment. He dribbled the ball off his foot, turning the ball over with the game on the line. You know, and he couldn't come up with a basket when they needed it. You know, this is also probably because he's was playing hurt and hasn't played a game since. You know... On the All-Earth team, he'd also be a defensive liability. He's only six feet tall and doesn't have the crisp ball defensive abilities. You know, he'd just be a mismatch on defense. The second guy I wouldn't lose sleep over, Russell 
Westbrook. Okay, the dude is super athletic, super talented, and won't be afraid of the moment. The big concerns with him are his poor shooting, poor decision-making, and there's a chance that he's just going to go full-out attack mode to the detriment of his team. Also, he isn't just shooting poor from three-point range. He is shooting 25%. It was 13, or excuse me, it was 23% when I first started making this list. For those of you who don't look through basketball statistics that much, that's really awful. <laughs> he did go on a really hot stretch in February and parts of March where the Rockets were fully committed to small ball and it cleared up the lane. And, you know, uh, I guess the Rockets fans called it microball, trying to get a book written for them or something, but that didn't change my decision whatsoever. The third guy I won't lose sleep over, Trey Young. You know, can I nominate Trey Young as the next player that every little kid loves the most? You know, let's be honest about the NBA. Most people who talk about it don't watch it. We like to talk about it. You know, we love watching the highlights and looking at numbers and comparing them and talking about them. You know, but does anyone in the national media actually sit down and watch a Hawks game? You know, does most of the people or any people on Twitter that aren't Hawks fans sit down and watch a Hawks game? You know, I do every once in a while on League Pass. I started to when I, you know, uh, you know, started wanting to learn more about Trey Young. And, you know, he's a really talented player. But, you know, I think he is fallen victim to giving too much of a green light too early. Since when is it acceptable for a 19 or 20-year-old to step into the league and immediately just have a green light? You know... Especially if the green light involves jacking up 35-footers. Every play on their offense runs through him, and that's why he has high points and high assist numbers. They also have one of the worst records in basketball. Does that count for anything? You know, the reason I say he's like most of the kid, you know, little kid's favorite player is because he's miniature and shoots threes. You know, kind of how Steph Curry was a few years ago. You know, but what people don't show you are the highlights of all of those shots from the logo that are bricks. They don't talk about how he isn't just a below-average defender. He's literally one of the worst defenders in the NBA. If he's put on the All-Earth team, he would think it's okay to pull it from the logo whenever he wants, and he would get absolutely roasted, burned on defense. He would get posterized so much he would have a silhouette of an alien ball sack on his forehead. A little side note on Trey Young. I actually really like watching him play. The one thing I think is a huge detriment to his team's record is that his team is just really young. I mean, John Collins got suspended for like 20 games or whatever. But, you know, you just watch them and they're really young. You know, if you ever actually watch them, I mean, it's going to be different if this season's over. But, you know, if you ever just watch them, you know, just look at the age just try and guess the average age of like every you know of the Hawks players on the court. When I did it, it was usually between like twenty two and twenty three. You know, but if Vince Carter's on the court, it jumps up to like at least twenty eight. Okay, the last guy I won't lose sleep over. Bam Adebayo. I actually kind of wanted to put Bam on this team. You know, kind of like what I was just saying with Trey Young. People don't watch the Heat. 
but if you ever if you ever do go and watch the heat you can't explain how good bam Adebayo is just based off his stats you know he's an awesome passer he can guard multiple positions and he also doubles as a rim protector you know and he isn't just i'll catch the lob type of offensive player he doesn't make mistakes watch him on both ends of the floor and you'll notice how important he is he doesn't need the ball to be effective and he's an asset on defense so why not put bam on this team partly because he's just too young this is his first full year of starting he's not a huge problem but he can spread the floor excuse me he can't spread the floor and for being a center he's just undersized bam is only 6'9 it's really weird if you tell other people that don't understand anything about basketball that a guy that's 6'9 a human being that is six feet nine inches tall is undersized and they might have a disadvantage because of it you know but you know i actually won't be surprised in three to five years that bam might be a starter on this team he's seriously that good seriously just watch the heat watch bam you'll see something special from him